Begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bearing witness that none has the right to be worshipped or unconditionally obeyed except through him. And we ask him to send his peace and blessings upon his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The prophets and messengers that came before him, his family and companions that served alongside him and those that follow in his blessed path until the day of judgment, we ask Allah to make us amongst them. Allahumma ameen. Dear brothers and sisters, this is meant to be, inshaAllah ta'ala, sort of a final khutbah in regards to what we've been speaking about for the last few months of the times of fitan, how we hold ourselves in times of great tribulations. And SubhanAllah, it seems like every week a new tribulation unfolds, a new trial unfolds. Whether that's in the form of what the Prophet ﷺ prophesied in terms of violence, where people would kill to an extent that neither the one who is killing nor the one who is being killed knows why that is happening, or whether it is mass deception and misinformation being spread all over the internet and somehow penetrating things that circulate amongst people that are righteous and people that are not righteous, that are nothing but plain deception, or whether it is the cursing and the foul language or the debauchery that we see around us and lifestyles that we see around us that seem to be departing from any sense of the fitrah, any sense of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us. But subhanAllah, what I want to come to at the end of this is that you notice that the Prophet emphasizes with all of this that there is one thing that you should hold on to through it all and that is your deen. You don't lose your principles when everybody else loses their principles. If everyone else in the world becomes dishonest, you don't lose your honesty. If everyone else in the world cheats, you don't lose your integrity. If everyone else in the world slanders, then you keep your tongue safe from that. If people harm each other as commonplace and as norm, you don't harm anyone. And instead, you make it a point to say that I will be from the one who is oppressed, not from the one who oppresses. If oppression becomes that which overtakes a society altogether. And subhanAllah, when you meet Allah on the Day of Judgment, if you had property that was taken from you unjustly, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will surely replenish that on the Day of Judgment. If you lost honor in this world as a result of that fitna, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala restores honor on the Day of Judgment. If you lost your life in this world, and may Allah protect us, we don't wish harm on ourselves, but if you lost your life, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala restores that on the Day of Judgment. But if you lose your deen, what do you have on the Day of Judgment to restore all of that? To hold on to what is so precious to you, your faith, your iman, and to make it so independent of anything else that's happening around you, whether it is changing circumstances or changing trends. And what is very interesting in this regard is that the challenge becomes for the believer in these types of times to simply hold on. And that holding on in and of itself is extremely praiseworthy. When the Prophet ﷺ mentions in the famous narration that that behind you or, or what comes after you are days that require great patience and that patience in those days is like holding on to a burning hot coal. In another narration and you know the Prophet ﷺ of course was speaking to a society that had peaked in terms of morality peaked in terms of brotherhood and harmony. They could not see a moment where people would be at each other's throats again because that was supposed to be the era of disbelief. And then as we said last khutbah, subhanAllah, what brings 
Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the son of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, to be holding a sword against Uthman radiallahu anhu because of the lies that he had held or that he had heard and now held as sacred to where he wants to kill a companion of the Prophet and his father. They couldn't imagine that and the Prophet says, من يعيش منكم, من يعيش منكم, whoever is going to live, you're going to see a lot of difference. You're going to see a lot of dissension. You're going to see a lot of dispute. When that time comes, hold on to my way and hold on to the way of the rightly guided khulafa. And the Prophet said, He said, literally cling on to it like a person that is holding something with their molar teeth. So in one narration, you got a burning hot coal in your hand, which is like, it feels so much more relaxing to just let it go. In another narration, the Prophet is saying, look, hold on to it with your back teeth, like someone's trying to pull it away from you. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your principles. Hold on to your deen. Don't lose it, no matter what changes around you. If you have to flee with it, flee with it. If you have to sacrifice for it, sacrifice for it. We're coming into the days of the Hijjah with Ibrahim and the whole story of Ibrahim is sacrifice. We have a sister that is going to be taking shahada with us again today. May Allah help her in her sacrifice. Allahumma ameen. It's sacrifice. It's hard. You end up being expelled. You end up being mistreated. You end up losing loved ones. It can happen that way if you hold on to your deen. That's the way of our father Ibrahim and he wasn't always the most celebrated man or one of the most celebrated people in history in Ibrahim But he never lost his deen. And when he's imparting to the next generation, and then that generation is imparting to the next generation, as they're making their preparations, the main thing is, Look, what are you going to worship after me? What are you going to hold on to? What's your anchor? Is your anchor still La ilaha illallah? When we talk about not losing your deen and not compromising your deen, and the willingness to endure anything that comes as a result of that, then that has multiple connotations. And I want to break them down briefly because it's hot outside. So I really want to break them down briefly, inshallah ta'ala. But I do want to break them down briefly. Holding ourselves to higher standards and abandoning doubtful matters. That's part of it, inshallah ta'ala. And that's something that a group of people take on. And it becomes something that's great, greatly rewardable when it comes to the doubtful matters and when it comes to things that are in the gray area. That doesn't mean that when you have difference of opinion on things, you condemn someone who takes a lenient option from the established fatawa within the Quran and the Sunnah that takes lenient options because it's easier for them. But it's always good when you have a group of people that insist on higher standards, right? So when you have people that insist on their higher standards with their finances, when you have people that insist on their higher standards with their food and consumption, even if it's not an area of that which can be condemned, alhamdulillah, what that does is it preserves a place for deen in multiple facets in society. And it elevates the standard. And that's good. We should welcome that. As long as we maintain our priorities, we should welcome that idea of elevating the standards always as much as we can. And then you have the things that are completely, completely unbreachable. And that is what Allah and the Messenger have said and what is established through the companions and through the consensus of the ulama. And 
what's happening around us constantly is a shift. The world looks so different every year. And then the pressure on you to change, to abandon, to adapt, becomes stronger every single year. Not to become less hateful, but to endure. You're actually enduring hate just because you're doing the same thing that your parents did and that your grandparents did. And you're worshiping with a religion and abiding by an instruction that's 1,400 years old. And you didn't get the memo on Twitter that things have changed yet. And you're trying to maintain and hold on, and that takes a level of endurance. And sometimes that comes with great sacrifice. And sometimes that comes with great abuse. And subhanAllah, you don't just have to look at the Prophet Sallallahu and his companions for these examples of endurance. Sometimes you look at the modern day heroes, but look at them holistically, by the way. Muhammad Ali, of course, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, one of the most celebrated people in American history and certainly the most celebrated American Muslim in history. When he refuses to be inducted into the draft, he was the most hated man in the country. I mean, he risks his career, he risks prison, he risks everything. And he stands tall and proud upon this idea that I'm not going to go kill people that did no harm to me. I'm not going to participate in the killing of innocent people. You can celebrate him now for that. And they always talk about how, subhanAllah, we're just coming now past six years after his death, that they only loved him when he couldn't talk anymore. Because what would he have said about police brutality and militarism today? And certain, suddenly now everyone was championing him and holding him up. So that's one element of it. But also look at the other elements that don't get talked about much, which also come from the same place of being morally anchored in deen. When he refuses to put Muhammad Ali on the ground, on the Hollywood Walk of Stars, because he doesn't want people stepping on the name of Muhammad. That's a man of principle. He could barely talk at that point in his life. But I don't want people stepping on the name of Muhammad. You have to adjust. You want that star there? You feel like it's, you know, it's, it's incomprehensible that people will go there and not see the name of Muhammad Ali? Well, you figure out a way that it's not stepped on like everyone else. And you go to that walk of stars, and subhanAllah, the only name that's up and not on the ground is Muhammad Ali. Because he refused. Not because of an arrogance with his name, but because he anchored himself in some sort of principle. In a faith that, no, I, I changed my name, I changed my life, I adjusted to this religion. I know he wasn't perfect, but people aren't going to step on the name of Muhammad I'm not okay with that. What many of us might not also know is Muhammad Ali turning down the beer advertisements. What would they have said about Muhammad Ali today if Muhammad Ali refused to wear an advertisement that he felt like went against his faith? Would they still praise him? Would they still hold him up as an icon of justice? Or would they blast him as a religious zealot? You don't have to look much further, subhanAllah, than when you look at France today. And you have a brother by the name of Idrissa Ghana Gay, who is a Senegalese French football player or soccer player. Depends where you live. But all he does is he sits out a game because he doesn't want to wear an LGBTQ pride flag on his uniform, feeling like it undermines his faith. And subhanAllah, because of that, suddenly he's lynched in French media. All sorts of racist rhetoric is hurled against him. There are calls for discipline. All he did was take a dignified stance. The man said, I have deen. This is my deen. Yet he's the problem. He's the one being uh, you know, lynched in the media in this way. He's the one that's being called upon to be censured and mistreated this way. Why? Well, we see time and time again that liberalism becomes awfully illiberal 
when people refuse to abide by ever-changing sanctified secular norms. The minute you choose to step out of line, you're the one with the problem, and we should be able to say as Muslims over and over and over again, whether it is popular in the justice arena or not, that we have the right to not celebrate or support anything in any fashion that is opposed to our deen. In any way, theologically, socially, morally, or politically, that's our right because we believe in the Quran and the Sunnah. We believe in our deen and we hold to our deen. We could still follow the way of life prescribed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and practice most perfectly by the Prophet sallallahu and at the same time, serve our neighbors, produce harmony and benefit in society, demonstrate beautiful prophetic character, all while holding on to our commitments. We don't have the problem. If someone has a problem with us living that way, that's not our problem to solve. We have to maintain our faith holistically and be willing to endure what comes with that. And subhanAllah, this is something that the Prophet teaches us in dua. When he teaches us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَلَا تَجْعَلْ مُصِيبَتَنَا فِي دِينِنَا وَلَا تَجْعَلَ الدُّنْيَا أَكْبَرَ هَمِّنَا وَلَا مَبْلَغَ عِلْمِنَا وَلَا تُصَلِّتْ عَلَيْنَا مَنْ لَا يَرْحَمُنَا It's a part of a dua. Very powerful. The Prophet says, don't make the greatest calamity in our, in, in our lives be in regards to our religion. Let it not strike us in our faith. Let not this worldly life be our greatest concern. And do not let those who have no mercy rule over us. We have to anchor ourselves in something. Sometimes that comes with sacrifice. SubhanAllah, I just came from London, Canada, where they had an Islamophobic attack last year. A man running over a family of four. And I was sitting with the youth of that community. Some of them were friends with a young lady amongst that generation of people run over. And SubhanAllah, she said she chose to start wearing hijab after that incident. Can you imagine? I almost broke down hearing that from her. She chose to start wearing hijab after that incident because she said that the goal of that man was to cause us all to have so much fear that none of us would want to be identifiably Muslim in public anymore. We need people of azm, people of determination, people that have confidence in their faith, people that will not buckle, people that draw from something greater in terms of strength. And my sincere nasiha to everyone and myself, if you have to lose everything in life, don't lose your deen. Don't lose your iman. It's the most precious thing, the most precious provision. That which, will, that which you will need in your grave and that which you will have when you stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that will make all other sacrifices worth it. We know it because of Ibrahim salam. We know it because of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This idea of confidence, that doesn't mean that sometimes it's not going to be difficult. It may be. But this idea of confidence no matter what. And so I know that many of the brothers and sisters at their workplace, corporation, whatever it is, are being tested right now to relinquish certain elements of their deen. And you might lose your job. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow you to be replenished in everything that you lose and everything that you sacrifice, brothers and sisters, in these corporations. But subhanAllah, what you might be guaranteeing for yourself of a reward in the hereafter and also making it easy for the next Muslim that comes, the next conscientious objector, like Muhammad Ali made it for everybody else after him. You might be paving the way for someone. And my sincere advice to anyone that's going into politics, and wallahi, I say this from the heart. This is nasiha from the heart because we have a lot of young people that want to make change.
We have a lot of people that have dreams, alhamdulillah, make change, but don't lose your deen. Whatever advancement you think you're going to get for the Muslim community isn't worth your akhirah if you're forced to champion that which is opposed to the deen. We don't want mobility as Muslims without Islam, and we have to reject this idea that we have to choose between annihilation or assimilation. We love our deen, and we can be confident and beautiful with our deen bi ta'ala. وَتُوبُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا أَيُّهَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ And we all repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. O believers, so that we may be successful. We were talking about Haram bin Mulhan radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who even as he was being killed, he said, Fustu Rabbil Ka'bah. I have succeeded by the Lord of the Ka'bah. We have to embody that spirit as much as we can. That's where success comes from. That's where we have to hold each other strong, knowing that it's going to be difficult days, subhanAllah, a word of encouragement between each other, to hold each other strong. You know that your brother, sister, friend is going through a difficult moment, a challenge, support them. Support one another in truth, support one another in patience. And I want to end with one story, and this is a, a profound incident that happened here in Dallas. And it was a sentence that shook me so much that it's more impactful than probably anything I've read outside of divine revelation in the last year and a half since I heard it. I was performing the nikah of one of the children of the HLF5. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala free them and make it easy for them. Allahumma ameen. Five men who are in prison for feeding Palestinian children. It's nothing else. The largest charity in the United States, and that happened here in Dallas, by the way. Five men who are in prison for that reason. And that was the third nikah I'd performed within a year from a child of one of those men. And they were playing his message over the speaker. Some of you may have even been there. And of course, because in the United States, when they incarcerate you, they want to humiliate you in every single way possible. Every five, 10 seconds, this call is from a federal prison. Breaks his, his message, breaks his sentences. And I'm sitting there listening like this man has been erased from society for all this time. And SubhanAllah, you know what he says? He gives this advice to his son and to everyone that was present. He said, learn to compromise in everything except for your deen. Learn to compromise in everything except for your deen. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how do you say that in a prison cell? Except that Allah has preserved something very special in your heart. Learn to compromise in arguments, learn to compromise in your family relationships, learn to be someone who's kind, who's courteous, learn to be someone who's dignified in the face of insults, learn to be someone who's always in a place of showing rahmah and mercy, but don't compromise on your deen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it firm in our hearts, firm in our ways. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve us upon it and protect us from slipping off of it. Allahumma ameen. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa lisa al-muslimin fastaghfiru innahu al-ghafur rahim. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah. Rabbana la tuakhidna inna sina au akhtaqna. Rabbana wa la tahmil alayna isran kama hamaltahu ala ladhina min qablina. Rabbana wa la tuhamilna ma la taqatalana bih. Wa'afu anna wa khirlana wa rahamna anta maulana fansurna ala al-kafirin. Ibadullah, anallahi amru bil'adli wal-ihsan wa ita'al al-qurba wa yanha anil fahshai wal-munkari wal-baghi. Ya'ibukum la'alakum tadakkaroon. Fathkuru Allahi yathkurukum wa shkuruhu ala ni'ma yazid lakum. Wala dhikru Allahi akbar. Wallahu ya'amma tasa'oon wa aqim as-salam.